You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. In God's Word. You'll be blessed. You'll be happy. Isn't that uh, a reality? Hasn't that been your experience? You know, when you, uh, as we're instructed by the Word, uh, the way that we are to live our lives, and we give ourselves to that instruction, to the commandments of God, there's this joy that comes over us. Uh, Because we know that we are pleasing God, that we're walking ever so closely together with God, that we know that God's hand is upon us because He blesses those who obey Him. Living in obedience to God's will and commands isn't only for His sake. If it was exclusively for His pleasure, He'd be better off without us. He laid out the law to show us our need for Him, and He gave us His Holy Spirit to comfort and assist us in living a righteous life. As Pastor Michael point out in today's message, when we focus our attention on God, living in a way that honors Him, Not only does it bring Him pleasure, but it brings joy and fulfillment that we simply can't find in this life otherwise. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of 2 Peter chapter 1 as he begins his message, Magnificent Promise. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. The things that we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks, we'll get back into that in just a moment. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we pray now that you bless God as we uh, treat this text of Scripture. God, as we study your word, God, bless. Lord, encourage, strengthen, challenge, rebuke if necessary. Lord, deal with sin in our lives. Remove that sin. Lord, use this opportunity to just draw closer to you, to better understand your plan and purpose for our lives. Lord, that we might just give ourselves to those things. Father, we thank you. Bless now. God, as always, would ask that my words would be your words. For we ask all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. So once again, this evening's message magnificent uh, promise. Okay, so what we have here, this portion of scripture, is Peter's challenge to Christians throughout time, throughout the ages. And basically here, Peter is exhorting us, listen, if you're a Christian, prove it. I mean, saying we are a Christian is not enough. Notice, go back to verse 1 for a moment, the precious faith that's referred to there in verse 1. If it is genuine, it must find its way out of the believing heart into convincing 
actions. And that's what this is all about. So what are we talking about here? Well, we're talking about the virtue of holiness, consecrated living, proving the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Now let's go back to our text. Notice there in the first part of verse 10, uh, Peter exhorts us, therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election uh, sure. So the word therefore or wherefore refers back to verses 5 through 9. Remember, whenever you see a wherefore or therefore in the scriptures, just a little bit of Bible trivia, the writer is drawing a conclusion. So this refers back to verses 5 through 9. Uh, that text of scripture that we've already gone through in one of our previous uh, studies. So because of what I have said over the last couple of times together, relative to the believer's responsibility of building upon this precious faith, that's referred to there in verse 1, substantiate your divine calling and election to salvation by doing all of these things. That is adding to those graces that are recorded first there in verses 5 through 9. And what were those graces? Well, virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love, agape uh, love. So, uh, those are the things that we are to add to our precious faith. Now, this calling and election, that's referred to here in verse 10, that's God's part. That's the divine side of election. And what does it include? Well, God completely forgiving man of all their sin, that is in Christ, providing a new nature of purity and righteousness, God actually imparting to us his nature, placing his nature within us. So we are made one of God's own by grace. So this being true, we are obligated to make sure our election and our calling is sure. And that's what Peter is telling us here in his epistle. Overflowing with love. Uh, and we show that by deeds of kindness, by purity and holiness. We ought to reveal Jesus to all with whom we associate. Now, there's this story I want to share with you of a fellow whose name was Jacob Walker. He was a lighthouse keeper off the rocky shore of New England. And after years of faithful service of minding the light, he became ill and died. His wife buried his body on the hillside above the shore on the mainland in plain view of the lighthouse. Later, she applied for and received the appointment of the same lighthouse. And for 20 years, she carried on alone and then a New York reporter who thought that her story would be a great human interest uh, piece went out to interview this uh, woman. Now, while interviewing her, she told him this, Every evening I stand in the door of the lighthouse and look across the water to the hillside where my husband's body is buried. And I always seem to hear his voice saying, as he often said when alive, mind the light, mind the light. Listen, gang, across the troubled waters and roaring waves of the confusing age in which we live, there comes another voice. It's the voice of the Son of God saying to us, mind the light, mind the light, the gospel light that is. 
And how do we do that? We're reminded by how we live and by what we say and do. Remember, Jesus said in Matthew's Gospel in chapter uh, 5, in verse 16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Now, let's go back to our text. Notice here, Peter goes on and assures that, uh, uh, assures us that if we make our calling and election sure, we shall never fall or we shall never stumble. So, as we faithfully build upon the foundation of faith, consistently adding these graces that are recorded for us in verses 5 through 7, we shall never stumble back into the old path of sins. God will keep us going forward in Him, becoming all of what He wants us to become. But first of all, I want you to notice the condition is clear. Notice, go back to our text in verse 10. He says, if you do these things, the things that we're instructed to do. You see, the divine work of grace doesn't render human effort unnecessary. And yes, it is true, we can only live for God day by day by grace. But listen, this grace won't be given to anyone who isn't a willing recipient ready to use it. So what do we need to do? Well, day by day, we need to go before the throne of grace and petition God, receive that grace, use it that day, and then go back the following day and ask Him for a continuous supply of that grace for that day. So this grace won't be given, once again, to anyone who isn't a willing recipient ready to use it. You know, this whole thing reminds me of what Jesus said it's recorded for us in John's Gospel, chapter 13, in verse 17. He says, if you know these things, happy are you if you uh, do them. And listen, this doesn't only apply uh, to what Jesus was referring to there in that uh, text, or what we've just read here in Second uh, Peter, but applies to all of what we are instructed to do in God's Word. You'll be blessed. You'll be happy. Isn't that uh, a reality? Hasn't that been your experience? You know, when you, uh, as we're instructed by the Word, uh, the way that we are to live our lives, and we give ourselves to that instruction, to the commandments of God, there's this joy that comes over us. uh, Because we know that we are pleasing God, that we're walking ever so closely together with God, that we know that God's hand is upon us, because He blesses those who obey Him. So, If you do these things, you'll never fall. The importance of doing. Listen, gang, this is is something that should never be overlooked. Because in this present day uh, in which we live, we need to be constantly reminded of who we are in Christ. And thus we need to be very careful to maintain good works. I mean, talk is cheap. If we expect to win souls to Christ, it is imperative we reveal Him in our manner of living. Listen, there's no stronger argument, wouldn't you agree, for the power of the gospel than to see its effect in our lives. Paul said in the book of Romans in chapter 13 and verse 14, to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. So the idea here is that we need to be clothed in Christ. 
Christ permeating our entire being, a testimony to God's mighty work of grace in our hearts. But then also notice, let's go back to our text, Peter assures us that obedient and righteous living will never be overlooked by God, and great will be our reward. Because notice what it says in verse 11. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus uh, Christ. Now, Peter here is speaking of the different rewards of heaven. He's not referring to salvation here in this verse. Because remember, our salvation and entering heaven doesn't depend upon our performance, but rather our faith in Jesus Christ. You see, there will be those who barely enter into heaven, and then there will be those who have an abundant entry. Let me give you a cross-reference for this. From the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 3, in verses 14 and 15. And here, uh, what's being depicted for us is the uh, Bema seat, or the... Um, the, uh, the, the seat uh, where Jesus gives out the rewards uh, to his people for their uh, faithfulness, for the things that they've done with the right motive, the right attitude, in the name of Christ and in him alone. So 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 14 and uh, 15. Uh, Paul tells us there, If anyone's works, which he has built on, endures, he will receive a reward. So God is scrutinizing everything that we've done, everything that we present before him, that we might receive a, a reward. All of the things that we've done in the name of Christ, and uh, Jesus uh, scrutinizes those things, and, and, uh, and uh, if we've done them with the right attitude, the right motivation, then we will receive that uh, reward that's being referred to uh, here. So he says each one's work will become clear, for the day will uh, declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work, which he has built on, endures, he will receive a reward. And if anyone's work is burned, he will suffer a loss. But he himself, notice, will be saved, yet so as though through uh, fire. So, the one who receives the reward is the faithful a believer who has spent his time serving the Lord, living for the Lord. The one saved, yet by fire, in contrast, the believer, notice, who enters into Christ's presence empty-handed. So there's one who has an abundant entry, and then there's one who enters into heaven empty-handed, who carelessly lived for himself who really is not a servant, who had no concern for the loss, but notice here, both are in heaven. But here's the question. Who will hear those words that every one of us, I'm sure, uh, wants to hear when we stand in the presence of the Lord? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. So I hope that when we stand before the Lord, there'll be no regrets, there'll be no uh, shame. I don't know what the situation will be, you know. But again, we want to have that abundant entry. But I do know this. Some people re receive, according to our text, greater rewards for their labor and faithfulness. So, this being the case, 
we need to think about the future. I mean, time passes so quickly, and we only have one go around, only one opportunity. We need to seize those opportunities. As God opens those doors, we need to step uh, through them. We need to spend our time wisely serving the Lord, making that investment in His kingdom to further His uh, kingdom. So let me ask you, have we really been living for Christ? Have we been sacrificing for Him? Gang, it's not too uh, late. You know, what Jesus said in John's Gospel in chapter 12 and verse 24, and I think it applies appropriately here, He said, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. So, would you produce much fruit for God with the hope of an abundant entry into glory? What do we need to do? We need to die. That is, die to self. Die to our flesh. Die to all that turns us from Christ and His service. So listen. Let me encourage you, at this very moment, commit your entire self to Jesus. Let Him be more than just a name that is on your lips. Let Him be the Lord of your life. Chapter 1, verses 12 through 15. Peter tells us there, For this reason I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things. That is, the things that precede our text uh, this evening, all of the things that we've been talking about over the last couple of uh, weeks, uh, to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. Yes, I think it is right. As long as I am in this tent, this tabernacle, this body of flesh, to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus showed me, speaking of his martyrdom, uh, that the Lord was soon going to take him home. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. Now, let me begin by sharing a little bit of information with you. Psychologists tell us that man never really forgets anything, that all we have learned is stored away somewhere in the back of our minds. And i got to tell you something, I, I think I subscribe to that uh, saying, because, you know, I mean, think about it, all of us, you know, out of the blue, out of nowhere, you know, memories have a way of just popping up, and we think, well, where did that come from? Or, and, you know, we go back to a certain period of time in our lives, and, oh, yeah, I remember that, or, or I remember that experience, or I remember something that I uh, learned. You see, the problem, however, seems to be in retrieving that knowledge, having immediate Access to knowledge in time of need is absolutely, absolutely critical in making decisions. And its absence can be actually devastating. But the loss of certain knowledge in our Christianity can even be more critical and dangerous. And so that's what Peter is dealing with here in this section of his epistle. Notice Peter recognized this truth. And notice here also... And three times, he uses the word remind in a couple of different forms. Uh, remind, reminder, reminding, remembrance. It's all according to what translation you're uh, reading out of. Verses 12 through 15, he uses that word remind three times. Now, why did he do that? Well, because Peter knows that for the Christian, 
There are some things that must never be lost in the storehouse of our minds. Certain truths we must keep in the forefront of our thinking always. For example, the things that preceded our text this evening, verses 1 through 11, all of what we've been talking about over the last several weeks. And uh, what were some of those things that we were talking about? Well, verses 1 through 11 is all about growing in our walk in our relationship with the Lord, abounding in grace, abounding in power, never stumbling or falling. So these are the things to be considered and reconsidered according to uh, Peter. Notice there in verse 12, he says, For this reason I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things. All of what we've been talking about over the last several weeks. You see, I want to be a faithful servant of the Lord. And thus this involves more than importing new truth. It demands reminding of the old truths as well. But isn't it interesting how people clamor for the new, the unusual, and the sensational? But the re-emphasis of the old truth must never be neglected nor forgotten. So, don't forget the fundamental truths of the precious faith. Notice the way that Peter refers to the precious uh, faith that we possess there in verse 1, which we have received in Jesus Christ. Yes, tell it in new, creative, and relevant ways and styles, but don't neglect it. Now, notice, and I think that this is significant, Peter says here in our text, even though you know them, all of the things that Peter has been exhorting us about, instructing us about, the foundations of our Christian of faith, even though you know them, and be established in the present truth. Notice the latter part of verse uh, 12. That's what Peter uh, tells us. And I guess you need to uh, be reminded of what Peter is dealing with uh, here. These were Christians that he's addressing who had become lethargic, who had become uh, worldly. You see, it is possible, even after knowing the central foundational truths of Christianity, to still stumble and fall into error. For example, Paul came up against this very thing uh, there at the church in Galatia. And in the book of Galatians in chapter 3, in verses 1 through 3, we read, and the problem was there that the uh, believers there in that uh, church were in danger of going back to a uh, legalistic kind of a walk in a relationship with God based upon their performance in keeping the Old Testament law rather than just enjoying uh, the grace uh, that God has provided for us in the person of Jesus Christ. They, th they believe that their salvation was based upon works and not by grace through the operation of faith. In my Father's house there's a place for me in my father's house where I long to be. Oh, my this has been another edition of In My Father's House, the ministry of Harvest Christian Fellowship with Pastor Mike. Thanks for joining us. The book of 2 Peter teaches the importance of growing in your faith. When you accept Jesus' free gift of salvation, it doesn't end there. Jesus transforms you beginning that first day, and He continues to do so as you allow Him access to your life. 
Each new truth you hear from God's Word has the potential to change you, but you have to decide to let it. It's our desire at In My Father's House to present Jesus to you through each program, and we pray He's already making an impact in your life. If you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor Mike, visit harvestnyc.org and click on the Resource tab. We invite you to visit us, too. Join us for worship this Sunday at Harvest Christian Fellowship. To find out more and reserve your seat, visit harvestnyc.org. Or just join us online for worship through the live stream if you can't be with us in person. We'd be honored if you join us in any way you are able to. Be sure to sign up for our email list for daily devotionals and the latest event information at Harvest Christian Fellowship. We'd also ask that you prayerfully consider supporting the ministry of In My Father's House through donation. We appreciate every gift given and will use it to reach more people with the Word of God. Find out more and donate securely online by clicking the Donate tab at harvestnyc.org. Thanks for giving and for being a part of today's listening audience right here on In My Father's House. Oh, my heart, not be troubled.